You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day for Monday, December 13th. As always, I'm your host, with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for. Oh boy. Oh boy, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you, it's been a minute since I've done an episode, but thank you for making Lockdown Potties your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. For all my YouTube listeners, go subscribe on YouTube, Lockdown Potties. If you are a subscriber on YouTube, you might see that I am currently in a, a bed scenario. Actually, should probably adjust my camera just a little bit. Let me see if I could do that. Ready, ready, ready. On the fly. There we go. Uh, I am in my bed right now. I am wearing a friar robe. Not really. It's actually just a snuggy thing. I am doing this only because I want to try and make the sound quality better for everybody on YouTube. The quality, I've been changing it around. Literally just moving it over here might change the Wi-Fi and all that stuff. The Wi-Fi stuff in my house is weird. Um, so just testing this out. This might be the only ever episode you see me right here if it doesn't turn out all that great. But uh, hey, it's, it's a fun little gimmick, I guess, for this week, guys. Um, today's episode, we are going to be talking about Padres opening day starting left fielder who who will it be? I actually put out literally last week a day uh, from this this Monday uh, a little like j- uh, tweet on the Lockdown Padres account, which you can follow by the way at lo underscore Padres on Twitter, as well as myself at Javapeno J A V I I P E N O. And I asked who is the Padres starting left fielder. So I'm gonna respond to your responses, then talking a little bit about the guy that the Padres had last year as their starting left fielder, and then who I think that they should get as their left fielder uh, this upcoming season. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And then going to be talking about some Hall of Fame stuff because everyone on the Lockdown Network is talking about it. Everyone in baseball, rightfully, is talking about it. We're going to get those Hall of Fame ballots soon, early next year. That should be a whole thing. And it's a crazy ballot. So I figured I should just give my uh, takes and opinions on that. So what do you guys say? What do you guys say? Again, sorry for not doing any episode in a little bit. Uh, just just crazy week. Crazy week. And I hope that this will make up for it, guys. Let's get into it. I'm already wasting too much time, guys. Let's start with the the beginning part, which is who is the Padres opening day left fielder in 2022 in terms of what your responses were on Twitter, most of them being a little jokey and funny. So we're going to run through those really quickly, but I figured I should shout out everybody. Scott Z-Man at Green Eyes underscore Scott on Twitter said probably Profar, which honestly is a possibility. When you look at just the surplus of infielders that the Padres have, uh, they have a lot. They have Hassan Kim. They just traded away Adam Frazier, so they don't have that necessarily anymore. But you might get C.J. Abrams, maybe. You might have a call-up this next year, so he could be someone in the mix, especially in the infield, which seems like his natural uh, position. Again, C.J. Abrams, top-level prospect in the Padres organization, one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Very, very excited to see his debut uh, because he is not getting traded. He is all but un- he's untouchable uh, by basically all by all accounts. Um Jerickson Profar is a guy that has played left field a decent amount for the team. It is nice that he actually can play left field. He isn't great at it, but he was better than certainly Tommy Pham was in a lot of ways last year. So he's solid, not great or anything like that, but okay, especially when you need that. But is he your starting left fielder? 
I don't know necessarily. I don't know necessarily. But in terms of right now, uh, it might be set up that way because Tommy Pham is a free agent. So we'll have to see how that plays out, guys. Um, but the next question, let's move on to uh, the next response that we got. Los Pobres1904 at iGunnaBarf on Twitter said it's going to be a protein bar. Very funny. If anybody's very familiar with the Built Bars, which I may or may not be talking about a little bit later on this episode. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what can I say? What can I say? I love Built Bars, but they're not going to be starting left fielder. Um, next person, Carl had takes at Carl the Lurker on Twitter. I don't know what it is with the 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 the, the, um, the Twitter handles responding to this question, but you guys are killing it. He said, Joe Musgrove. Look, I would love Joe Musgrove to be out in left field. And I will say one thing. And I was going to tweet about this, but I haven't. Just anybody who might be worried that Joe Musgrove broke out this past year and it wasn't totally legit, nah, man. If you look at CSW percentage, which is called strikes plus whips, which is a really great metric for seeing just how well pitchers were doing in terms of just getting strikeouts, not just strikeout percentage, but fouling balls off, you know, balls that weren't, you know, necessarily called strikes that were balls, all that stuff. Uh, Joe Musgrove is in the top level of that stuff. And in terms of pitchers who threw curveballs a lot, in terms of curveball reliant pitchers, he's probably the best one in the game right now. Charlie Morton is very good at getting strikeouts, and as and since he's a very curveball reliant pitcher, but absolutely Joe Musgrove. I don't see anything changing. It is true. It is true that he can get teed up sometimes. The curveball can get launched, but that's also the case for a lot of curveballs. And also, I just think that. That's that's just what comes with the territory. There's a reason why his whip was so low this year. He did not give up a lot of hits. He could give up the big bomb because that curveball can hang in there. But bottom line is this. He's very, very good. It ain't going to be no problem. So I saw like one or two, a couple of people wonder whether or not he's going to repeat. I think he's going to be excellent next year. Um, Los Abuelos on Twitter at Lo, Lo Nado says, probably will White Queso Myers, uh, which is very funny. Look, if that happens, then I'm wondering who plays right field now. Right? Uh, is CJ Abrams going to move there? Is Tatis going to move there? Potentially, depending on how they want to uh, manage his shoulder, manage his shoulder, whether or not they think that defensively Hassan Kim is better. He is at least right now. Hassan Kim is better, even if Tatis clearly seems to be more uh, comfortable and excited about playing shortstop. But I'm just saying that's how uh, it could potentially work. And then you might that might be the the starting lineup, right? You have Machado at third. You have Hassan Kim at shortstop. Then you have Jay Cronenworth at second. The guy who will not be named at first base, Tatis in right field, Trent Grisham center field, Profar in left field, and either Austin Nola or Jorge Alfaro or Victor Caratini, whatever the heck's going on at catcher, at catcher, not impossible for opening day, which is still okay, but it's not all that exciting, is it? But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. It is good that, though, I will say that Profar, if needed, can play left field, and if needed, I don't mind that Tatis was getting some reps in right field. I still think he's a shortstop, but I will say, I don't mind that maybe just in case it has to happen one day, that if some injury happens, that you could stick him in right field. So that would be interesting. Uh, but yeah, that's probably another possibility for right now. Um, and then I'm going to save actually this next response because that's the one I wanted to talk about a lot. But Satyam Kumar, hopefully I said that name, at Satyam K54557143 on Twitter said Seiya Suzuki. Someone also responded saying, I think he has a good chance of being a Padre on opening day, but he'd be playing right field. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that would be the dream, but I just, I've seen more links 
for Seiya Suzuki going to Boston. I've seen even more of him going to Detroit. I've seen more connections elsewhere. It seems like a little bit pricey of an option, at least as of right now. And I just don't think that they're going in that direction. We'll have to see. It would be fun. Uh, look, Preller last year went out and signed Hassan Kim. Could see him going into a different uh, market. I mean, he just signed Robert Suarez. So clearly not afraid of bringing up some guys from across the seas over to the Pirates organization. Could be an interesting find, but... I just don't see it. Someone else, the content boys at Locked on Sharks said us on Twitter. Shouts to my guys at Locked on Sharks. We actually saved, uh, use the same restream account, which is how I put out this video for you guys. Uh, shouts to them. Comrade Chrismat. Man, you guys are killing it with the names. Says Andrew Benintendi, which I thought was an interesting interesting name. Last one, by the way. Frank the Tank WM said Mark Katze, which is funny. But the last um, legitimate response, Andrew Benintendi. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, very unfortunate. That he he had some moments this year for the Royals team. Like, I actually think that he was okay. Now, clearly, it seems like the ship has sailed on his prospect value. This is a number one overall prospect uh, in baseball for a long time. And kind of came up and was good those first two years for the Red Sox. I believe it was first two years. And then just kind of fell off. Could he be a right fielder? Sure. But I don't know if he's a free agent. I don't think he is. I still think he might be under contract. I should probably look that up. I probably should have looked that up before. <laughs> um, but Andrew Benintendi... Is he worth signing? Yeah, I think he's worth signing if he is a free agent, just if you need someone to kind of go out and uh, play first base for you and whatnot. Um, but in terms of someone that the Padres would trade for, I just don't see it. Why would you? This doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, it looks like he actually just has a one-year contract. It's going to spot track right now. Um, yeah, I don't see anything. Projected salary, let's see. No, no, no. He's with the Royals next year, so that's probably not going to happen. If he was a free agent, though, I actually would have been very interested in giving him a flyer just because he probably wasn't going to cost all that much. Next year, he's getting paid $9 million, it looks like, and then he's an unrestricted free agent the year after. We'll see if he has a good season, but I actually would have liked that. I know it sounds crazy. I would have liked Benintendi as a flyer guy uh, for if you just wanted to go bargain Ben Hunting for a guy for the Padres. That's just me, though. Um, but before we get into the big kind of discussion that we have to talk about I left out one reply which is very important before we get into that guys before we get into it let me take a quick second to talk to you about about what direct tv stream ladies and gentlemen you want to you know here's the thing here's the thing I like simplicity I like simplicity so that's why I want to talk to you about the simplest way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle direct tv stream brings you your live tv and on-demand favorites together like never before which means you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place and the best part and this is this is so key you hear me there's no annual contract that's right so stop waiting and get and get your tv together with direct tv stream you can learn more of directtv.com uh, direct tv I am messing up this read, aren't I? Wow, I have such a goofball. You can learn more, guys, about DirecTV Stream at directtv.com. Definitely check that out because, hey, I'm a big fan of the sports and the movies. I like having all my stuff in one place, too. Believe me, guys. And the next thing I wanted to talk to you is very, very important. It is the holiday season. Grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. These are the Built Bars, guys. I referenced them early on. I mean, technically, one of you guys referenced them early on with the response to my Twitter question, uh, filled with so much holiday goodness. And what I love so much about Built Bars, guys, is they are the Ben and Jerry's of protein bars. They've got mint brownie. They've got raspberry. they got cookies and cream. they got peanut butter brownie. They've got all these, these deals. I just got an email about one the other day. 
They've got all these deals going on. Look, I'm gonna, I'm about to type it up right now. Let's see. Um, they have a 12 days of Christmas sale. They got coconut brownie chunk. They got all sorts of good flavors over at Built Bar. They got a new eggnog flavor just in time for the holidays. That's what I love about them. Great variety. And on top of all the protein stuff, low carbs, high protein, all that stuff. Um, just they're really good and healthy for you. And what, what are you what are you waiting for? I, I don't need to read any more of this ad. You know what I mean? Just go get the damn Built Bars. What are you guys doing? So just for listening to this podcast, though, guys, you can go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. And with it, you will get 15% off your order. How kick butt assery is that? It is awesome, guys. Remember, locked15 at built.com for 15% off your order. Built bars, they're very yummy. And now, guys, once again, I just want to say thank you for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I know that, you know, I wasn't necessarily your first listen uh, last week. I miss a lot of the episodes. That is my apologies. It's a crazy week for me. We are back. And I do want to mention, guys, do you want to mention this is very important. Uh, On Friday, it is going to be my 400th episode. That's right. On Friday, when Spider-Man No Way Home comes out, which is going to be a big day for your boy, uh, the 400th episode comes out. I am asking you guys, you can leave comments in the YouTube. You can leave comments on my Twitter, which I am pointing to right now. You can leave comments on at LO underscore Padres. You can email me, LockdownPadres at gmail.com. I will be saying that throughout the rest of the week. Send in all your questions. I actually got a question from my guy, Dan LeBlanc, that I'm saving on my phone, which because it's multiple questions, that is going to be featured on Friday's episode. And actually, by now... But, by the time you're listening to this episode, I probably put out a tweet where you can also uh, respond with any of your questions. Very, very fun. 400th episode. I've been doing this for a long, old time. And speaking of responses and whatnot, last response that I want to talk about with this Padres opening day left fielder thing comes from Frey Tranquilo Hijo on Twitter, who sent a gif, and it is a gif of a legendary man, a man who became a meme lord, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, I am talking about Nick Castellanos, guys. There's a fly ball deep to left. You know about him. The big meme. The best meme that's come out of baseball Twitter. Probably debatably ever uh, with Nick Castellanos. And this is an interesting point. And now this is where not only do I want to reveal who I actually want the Pirates to get as their left fielder, but let's talk about Nick Castellanos first. Nick Castellanos had a great season. A great season. He's a power bat. He's a good hitter. I know that some people may be wondering that in, you know, Great American Ballpark, wherever it is, is that the name of the Reds Stadium? I think it is. Um, that he was performing much, much better there. I recommend everyone go check out, and I know that I write there, so it's a self-plug, but JustBaseball.com, Arm Layton wrote a great explainer talking about the splits, the home run split situation with Nick Castellanos, and kind of analyzing and saying, I actually think he's going to translate, is basically what he said. And he made a lot of whole compelling case. I don't have it in front of me right now, but a lot of his fly ball stuff suggests that it will play. In other fields, is it going to be necessarily as like invincible? But not necessarily. It's nothing to guarantee in this life, obviously. But he's going to be good, so I wouldn't be worried about that. I know that some Padres fans would be worried because you know Padres fans Petco Field isn't exactly the biggest, most hitter-friendly ballpark in the world. That is a good point, but that's not actually why I don't want to sign Nick Castellanos. The reason why I don't want to sign Nick Castellanos is because in order to get Nick Castellanos, it's probably going to take a six-year deal worth a decent amount of money. And I don't really know if I want the Padres doing that. With the amount of money that they already have tied up in a lot of players, the fact that their farm system isn't as big as it once was, I'm just a little hesitant to sign a six-year deal for a guy that plays awful, awful, awful defense. We don't want another Mayans defender. I know what you might be thinking. DH might be coming to the National League this next year. 
first of all, that's a might. We're very, I mean, it sounds like we might get that, but let's also be, be clear that it isn't official. And if that's true, then what happens to some other guys who are minus defenders? The guy at first base for the Padres, wouldn't you like if you could stick him at DH? Maybe you move uh, Mr. Jake Cronenworthy over to first base? And then you move a couple other guys around. Maybe if C.J. Abrams comes out, he's playing shortstop. Maybe Tatis is playing right field for a little bit. You know, you could do a little bit more mix and match. Or C.J. Abrams playing second base, whatever. Like, I like that a whole lot more than the idea of being like, okay, so Castellanos is there. And as a result, no matter what, essentially, you will have a minus defender, a big-time minus defender, one of the worst at their position every day. I do not like that. I know that... You know, defense isn't the be-all and end-all. And I know that Castellanos' offense is so good that it makes up for it. I'm just saying, though, I don't really want to do that. And with a six-year commitment, it would just once again tie another guy to this Padres team that you can't maneuver. I think this Padres team needs to reload a little bit. I don't think that we should look at next year as the only year. I don't believe that. I don't believe the Padres' window is closed. I just think that they need to look at this and say, we don't want to become the Angels, man. We all know about the Angels that they just keep signing guys every year to these big deals and then their farm never pans out and they don't have any flexibility with their roster. They have an albatross every year. Did they get rid of Pujols? Sure. Did they eventually move on past Josh Hamilton? Sure. But then you have guys like Justin Upton, right? Guys like Justin Upton, it's just it becomes a little bit annoying and you don't know exactly what you're going to be able to do. So you don't want to be in that situation. The Phillies are a little bit like this too, uh, which stinks, but... That's just my kind of take on it. I don't really want that guy uh, for the Padres. But I will say it is true that Nick Castellanos' skill set is something that the Padres do need. And what that is is a power bet. I know that sounds cliche. Everybody needs a power bat, but the Padres really do. Last year, one of the worst offensive teams when it came to slugging percentage and home runs uh, in all of baseball. In all of baseball. Not just the National League. Not just in the NL West. You know what I'm saying? In all of baseball. In fact... Let me just pull up the the old numbers right here, guys. I had them right in front of me, but I lost them. Um, last year, they ranked 23rd in home runs and 21st in slugging percentage. So they definitely need a power bat, which is why I humbly suggest Michael Conforto. Michael Conforto had a little bit of an unlucky season. His BABIP was a little bit low. His home run fly ball rate was a little bit off. It did not make sense. I know he had an offseason, but even in an offseason, still a decent on-base percentage, still a decent walk rate, and most importantly, still hit the ball pretty hard. Is he necessarily going to improve dramatically? Not necessarily. But here's the biggest reason why I want Michael Conforto. He's been amazing before. In 2020, he was one of the best home run power guys in the league. Granted, shorter season still. But if you just look at the over the course of Michael Conforto, his whole career, he's been a high on base percentage guy and a whole lot of power. All right? Let's just read some of his years. Uh, 2017. 279 batting average, 384 on base. Year after that, 2018, 243 batting average, 350, 440. I forgot the uh, forgot the slugging percentage. Slugging percentage in uh, 2017 when he was an All Star was 555, and then in 2019, 257, 363, 494. Uh, all the home runs, respectively, by the way, for each of these years, 27, 28, 33 bombs in 2019. He's going to be turning. This was his age 28 season. He's going to be 29 next year, so he might be hitting his prime season. And again, like I said in 2020, 322, 412, 515 with nine bombs. Granted, I know in a shortened season, but he's been very good. And even this year, I just, if the downside is a 344 on base, that's not too bad. 
You know, he was able to still clock 14 home runs. I know it was an offseason for him, only played 125 games. But here's what I think. And you can clip this. Go for it. I think Michael Conforto is going to be the Marcus Simeon of this free agency class. Now, here's what I mean by that. I'm not saying that he's going to finish in the MVP for whoever gets him. What I'm saying is he is a guy who's shown basically three consecutive years of being a high-quality power at bat or just just a high-quality player offensively. His defense, not great, but he can play left, and he's certainly not as much of a liability as Nick Castellanos is. And the biggest thing with it is this. Marcus Simeon went and signed a one-year contract with the Blue Leaders for 15 mil, and then what happened? He bet on himself with that. He could have probably gotten maybe multiple years. It's possible. Maybe multiple years for another place. Maybe like four years, but it might have been only like 80 million or something like that. Instead, he said, I'm going to sign a prove-it deal for one year, 15, 18 million, whatever it was for the Blue Jays, and then you saw what happened, and then you saw how much he got paid by Texas Rangers. I love that a lot. I know that the idea of, you know, only having a guy that that will be there for one year is a little bit scary, but I do think if you look throughout the rest of the Padres, hey, maybe Robert Hassel starts developing a little bit more. That could be a big thing. We don't know what free agents are going to be available the next year. I like the idea of the Padres signing a guy who you won't have to commit too much money to. You won't have to worry about him being stuck on your team for years like Nick Castellanos would be, and he could be just as good or at least Maybe not just as good as Nick Castellanos offensively, but a very, very good player. I do believe that that 2020, 2019, especially 2019 through 2017, those seasons are legit. None of the stats really match up all that much that he was that bad this year. And also, by the way, everybody on the Mets was a disaster this year. Francisco Lindor, vamos, Puerto Rican power, was bad this year. And I think he's going to be good next year. Jeff McNeil, a guy who only hits for batting average and on base, he was bad this year. He wasn't the only player on the Mets team that was a Mets. That was a mess. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know what I'm saying? And as a Padres, Fire Faithful homies can attest to, everybody on the Padres' the second half was a little bit of a mess, including our boy Jay Cronenworth. He was a little bit of in a slump, too, at some points throughout. So my take is that I like the idea of signing Michael Conforto to a prove-it deal. If you can sign him to a three-year kind of, like, you know, decent, not-too-much-money contract, I would like that, too. But I do like that, especially a prove-it deal. Marcus Simeon of this year, not saying he's going to be an MVP frontrunner, but I am saying that I like the idea of this guy who's going to come in and deliver a lot more than his contract and you won't have to worry about Castellanos a six-year deal is a lot man a six-year deal is a lot and we don't want a situation guys we're about to get out of the Will Myers contract do we really want to just go for the top level guy on the market and also then the other thing that could happen is that they just bring back Tommy Pham on a really really cheap deal which actually wouldn't be the worst idea in the world I wouldn't like it though because Pham what I didn't like about him is despite having one of the lowest like chase rates in baseball his outside zone swing percentage there was only a few players I think four in fact that had an outside zone swing percentage less than 20% he was one of them the fact that he still was able striking out and swinging through pitches all season stuff that was down the middle fastballs nothing tricky really worried me and he was just such a mess in the outfield I would definitely not want him either so Michael Conforto is my guy I would have loved Mark Canna unfortunately he got scooped up by the Mets Mark Canna uh Michael Conforto is my pick that I think the Pirates should go for and you guys should too it is not just spending big and getting the big star that will help the Padres out of this situation there are other ways to do it especially with what we saw from the Giants and the Braves this year you know what I'm saying But now before we guys uh, get into the last segment of the podcast, talking a little bit about the Hall of Fame ballot, I know I talked a lot about the Pirates opening left field stuff. Before I give my thoughts on that, though, let's just take a quick old second to talk about BetOnline. 
which has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON because you're listening to Lockdown Padres. See what they did there to receive uh, your bonus. But of course, guys, it's not just football. They got basketball. They got the NHL. They got boxing. I know there was a big fight on this past Saturday. They got the UFC. They got your favorite Vegas casino games. And of course... They got baseball too, man. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And guys, here we are in the final segment. Let's talk a little bit Hall of Fame. Okay, so the Hall of Fame ballot is going to be a lot. And I talked about this a little bit. Uh, was it earlier this year? Yeah, I definitely talked about it earlier this year. Maybe it was like two months ago or something like that. Time flies. But um, I was just going to say, like, this is going to be a really toxic discourse. That's what I talked about last time. And the reason is because among all the people on the Hall of Fame ballot, you've got some interesting guys in there. People that a lot of, uh, you know, players and fans grew up with. You got Bobby Abreu. You got Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Tim Lincecum, a first-timer, Justin Morneau, Joe Nathan, David Ortiz, Jonathan Papelbon, Jake Peavy, former Padre, um, Prince Fielder, Carl Crawford, Alex Rodriguez, uh, Mark Teixeira, among the guys that are first-timers. And then you've got a bunch of players that have been on the ballot for a long time and are, it's complicated as all hell. Okay, Barry Bonds, it is his last year of eligibility. You got Roger Clemens on there too. You got Mark Burley on there. And then more importantly, you've got people like Andrew Jones. You got people like Manny Ramirez. Kurt Schilling is another big one. Sammy Sosa, Gary Sheffield, Omar Vizquel. It's going to be a lot. It is going to be a lot. And I'm actually going to start, since we are in the middle of a lockout, if you guys haven't heard, uh, one of the things that I think I want to do throughout uh, this lockout is I'm going to bring on different people and give their perspective on the Hall of Fame ballot. And the reason why I do want to do that is because I'm genuinely a little bit undecided in some areas. The biggest area is Kurt Schilling. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about this. I talked about this with Ben Kaspik um, a month or so ago, um, gave my thoughts on this, which is that I do go back and forth because I understand some people saying it's baseball. We're doing this off of baseball stats. Let's do it. We don't have to make this some, you know, like a giant character thing. And I understand that because it might be a slippery slope. However, I do say we evolve as human beings. And I think that as human beings, it's okay that if we say, ah, you know what? If you're a piece of crap human being, which Kurt Schilling is, let's make no, no mistake about that. This is not just a, what's a good, a Russell Westbrook who can be a little bit annoying with the media or a Kevin Durant who says some dumb things on Twitter sometimes, right? This is not one of those. Kurt Schilling collects Nazi memorabilia. He said journalists should be hanged. He's made transphobic and uh, homophobic remarks. He's made racist comments before. He said a lot of bad stuff. This isn't just like, like I said, he literally buys Nazi memorabilia, guys. This is a bad, bad guy. So, you know, that's my thing. So you got to, you got to. Uh, at some point draw the line. In my opinion, I would not vote for him. I do not immediately begrudge. I also disagree with this statement where people are like, well, then that means that you're saying that taking steroids is worse than being a racist. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if we're judging baseball. I do agree with Mina Kimes of ESPN who brought this up last year and I imagine that she might bring it up again when the time does come when the discourse really erupts again, which is that you put him in the Hall of Fame, does not get to go to the ceremony. 
not a bad solution. Not a bad solution. But to me, I'm just not going to do it. That's just me. I'm sorry, guys. I know if you want to send me mean comments and be like, no, it should just be baseball. I get it. But in my opinion, it's just like, eh. it's too much, man. It's too much. And I'm actually curious to see that like, if writers might go back on it just because, one, because of the character stuff. But I wonder if some people are going to be like, you know what? You know what I don't like? I don't want to get attacked on Twitter for voting for this guy and getting him in the Hall of Fame. So it's possible. It's possible. And the other thing is this, and I think a lot of people would agree with you, regardless if you think Kurt Schilling should be in the Hall of Fame, I think there's a lot of people who are like, I'm not going to be upset if he is it because that's how awful of a human being is. And then you have the steroid side of things, right? Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz. Yes, David Ortiz. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. My take is that Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. My biggest reason for that is it was a steroid era. There was a point in which this was all across the board, all across baseball. It was highly prevalent throughout the game. And not to mention, you never tested positive, by the way, for the record on the steroid thing, which I know if you literally just look at him, it's like, what the heck? How'd you do all that? I get it. But I'm also saying in general, Barry Bonds is the best player in the history of baseball, basically by every metric. And also, even before then, he won like a bunch of MVPs and was awesome. Even before the big bulk up, Barry Bonds was still up there in that. I understand some people might say, ah, but bottom line is that an entire half of your career might have been a little bit fraudulent. I get that. But if you just include those stats, I really do think Barry Bonds should be in it. But my number one thing is that steroids were a part of the history. It was at one point. You can put him in the Hall of Fame. I think it's okay. It's just weird that a guy that everybody was watching be the greatest that we've ever seen, literally, uh, that we're just not going to put him in the Hall of Fame. That's just weird to me. I hope he gets in. I think it would be right. Roger Clemens, I think, is a little bit similar. Roger Clemens, one of the most hilarious things ever, I think, volunteering himself to Capitol Hill and saying, you can test me or whatever about steroids, and then he gets caught. So that's a whole other thing. But Roger Clemens, one of the great pitchers for a multitude of teams as well. I think I'd put him in. But here's where the surprise comes in. I would not put Alex Rodriguez in. In my opinion, here's why. Alex Rodriguez was caught with the steroids. I still remember when this was the biggest issue, by the way, in sports. I remember getting, like, the breaking news update and, like, all the stuff. Like, you had the backyard baseball. Like, there were some people, like, you should take A-Rod off the backyard baseball. And it was, like, a real thing. Like, there was a thing where people were, like, he let kids down. You know, all that stuff. Now, when people get caught with steroids, it's kind of like, ah, oh, you cheated. You get sped at 80 games. You know what I mean? There was, like, a little bit more of a, a thing back then. Weird times, right? That was back in the times when, like, Michael Phelps with his whole thing with the uh, with the weed, uh, that that was like, oh, my God, like, he lost all of his... Nowadays, if that happened, like, I... It's like, what, people forget about it a second? It's just funny to think back, and I get, like... You know, it's just the good old days, some might say. I don't know. But um, with, Ma- with Alex Rodriguez, the difference is that the biogenesis stuff, the fact that it wasn't just in that era. He's had a lot of stuff. So I actually understand if people look at A-Rod and say... I don't know, man. There's been a lot of stuff. The book juiced. You look at just the way that he, you know, helped other people maybe with steroids and stuff like that. Like, just a lot of other things that wasn't just, it wasn't isolated. That being said, I don't mind people, again, if you do vote for A-Rod. I get it because he, by every metric, was an incredible shortstop. There's a lot of stuff with this, though. When you look back at his time in high school, he didn't make the team at first. Then all of a sudden, he gains 25 pounds and he starts killing it. All this stuff, like some people may say he's at, he actually was on steroids for even longer than just the time in, in, in the Yankees and stuff like that. And maybe even in Texas, maybe even in Seattle. It's possible. It's possible. But in my opinion, there's just there's too much of a scattered history with A-Rod. While Bonds and some of these other guys, it feels like it was only in that one era where a lot of people were taking steroids. And we still don't know 
everybody from some of those lists, that that list of 100 people that only a few got leaked, like A-Rod and Sammy Sosa, um, that they, um, what's it called, uh, that we don't know about uh, the rest of them. Who knows what other names would have been on there? That's a little bit, and that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. Not to sound all conspiratorial or anything, but that's just how I kind of view it. And I think that uh, A Rod, I do understand him not being in the Hall of Fame. I think Sammy Sosa should be in there. Um, personally, unless I'm forgetting some numbers and stuff like that. There's some other guys on here. Andrew Jones is a very tricky one. And I actually think Andrew Jones is a great case of. I kind of like that there's a debate around him because the debate around him is genuinely over just like, do we think he's a Hall of Famer or not? Not whether or not it's the character clause or the steroid stuff, but just genuinely do you think he's good enough? If you just take that first half of his career and exclude all the, the rest of the years where he just forgot how to hit, he's probably a Hall of Famer, one of the great defensive players ever. He had a season where he hit over 50 home runs. Very good player, uh, a, an all-time defender. I think he should be in, but I also understand some people who say, that uh, And I listened to Just Baseball, the podcast that we do over at JustBaseball.com. Again, plugging my website. Sorry, guys. But, you know, uh, we were talking with Jason Stark, and Jason Stark was like, well, he got really lazy. You know? This was, a, this was a lazy thing. He just started becoming a little bit of a slob, didn't try as hard. And is that a thing where you're like, we just don't like that. We don't like that image of a guy who had these, you know, nine great years and then just decided not to care anymore. It's not a complete career. I guess is what it means. And there's something to be said for the fact that it seems to be a little bit more influenced by just not trying. So I do respect that opinion too. But personally, I, I think I'm putting Andrew Jones in there. I think I am. And the last guy I just wanted to touch on was Omar Vizquel, a guy who has his own off-the-field incident uh, that's very bad that I don't want to get too much into because I don't have the information right in front of me. But it had to do with a minor leaguer and some harassment stuff. So that was really, really bad. Omar Vizquel was fine. Great defender, but... We're going to start putting people in there that were great defenders that didn't do anything really offensively. This guy hit, I'm pretty sure his max in home runs was 15 one year. Otherwise, it was below that. Like, yeah, I know Pete Rose wasn't a home run hitter, but he was also the all-time, like, hit king. You know what I mean? Like, he was also incredible offensively. So, Omar Vizquel, let's not act like him being in there. Hey, fun fact, in terms of total war, Brett Gardner is only a little bit behind um, Omar Vizquel in F4, and he also was very good defensively, Brett Gardner. So we really want to talk about this. Omar Vizquel, get out of here. But um, yeah, that's just my kind of preliminary thoughts, guys. I'm going to try and get more opinions on the Hall of Fame ballot because I think it's going to be a hot-button issue, especially when we get into the new year and things kind of wind up. And I do think that I haven't fully decided on a lot of my my stances. I think that I do go back and forth. Tomorrow I might be like, ah, actually, you know what? Putting Kurt Schilling in. Seriously, I do. And I genuinely respect all the opinions for this. Uh, I just think that there's no easy way to fix the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's so messed up with steroids and character and all that stuff that it's its going to be quite hard. But before we wind down this here podcast, guys, the return of the Locked Out Padres podcast. Finally, uh, let me just talk to you guys really, really quickly about a very good podcast called Locked on Bets. Guys, you made Locked on Padres your first listen. Now make Locked on Bets your second listen. Your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. In terms of the future of this show, guys, like I said, going to try and have some more guests, not just from Locked On, but elsewhere on the podcast to give their thoughts on the home run ballot uh, and stuff like that. And then finally, we're going to be doing another episode on some more Padres, guys. We're going to be talking about Jake Cronenworth later this week. We're going to be doing that 400th episode mailbag, so please send me questions. And they can be about anything, by the way. It could be about the op- the starting, you know, something along the line of asking questions about the roster next year. But you could ask me about TV. 
I don't care. I'd love to talk about pop culture. You know me. Ask whatever you wanted to ask me about. You could talk to me about my fantasy team. You could talk. You could ask me who I think you should draft for overall in fantasy next year or players not to draft. You can do that. I love it. 400 episodes. It's been an honor doing this for you guys. Also going to be doing an episode on the Padres first baseman. It will be the only time that I say his name on this podcast. It will be the episode that is entirely dedicated to him. Going to do an episode on Cronenworth and a whole lot of other fun stuff. Crossover with Bryce Paddock of Lockdown Rangers. It's going to be a blast, guys. Again, sorry for uh, not showing up all that much last week. Uh, and this might be my last ever time in the row because, to be honest with you, I am getting way too sweaty uh, hanging out under this thing on my bed as I record this podcast. But with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Um, also follow at L-O underscore Padres on the old Twitter sphere. Um, and, you know, Lockdown Padres on YouTube. And until next time. Stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.